Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we are bringing you the story of, I just had this pulled up, oh my god, Melissa Witt. Yes. Melissa Witt. She is a woman that mysteriously disappeared and they did find her, but it is an unsolved case. And this all happened in Arkansas or Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> We're going to get some very angry people. <laughs> it's Arkansas, for sure. I know. I know what I'm talking about. Just dropping a little joke here. The bacon bits. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, <God>. <laughs> uh, All right. And anybody from there just now turned off this podcast. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> hey, I am a Mississippi State fan, and I am used to being torn apart by fans. <laughs> Hell. Uh, Hell. Alabama chose Mississippi State for their fucking homecoming game this year. The disrespect. The disrespect. So, Arkansas, please forgive me. I'm just a country bum, too. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, we'll get to the bartending lesson for the day. Welcome back to another round of bartending with Sloan. Today we are going to make what I'm going to call a Thanksgiving sangria. So first I started out with four cut up honey crisp apples and then I threw that into my like glass container. And then from there I added one full bottle of Moscato and then personally I just had a couple of extra half empty bottles of white wine There was a Pinot Grigio, another bottle of Moscato, a Sauvignon Blanc, and I just threw the leftover bits of wine in there as well (laughs) because no wasted alcohol around here. No. (laughs) But for recipe purposes, like, let's just stick with the one bottle of Moscato, but if you just have half-empty bottles of wine around, throw those bitches in there and call it a day. day. Try to make sure they're the same type, like... All whites or all reds. Like yeah. Stuff like that. Yes. Rosé would go well in this. But for this purpose, white wines. Anyways, moving on. So put the white wine in the container. And then I put one cup of Fireball in there. Two cups of apple cider. And then one cup of orange juice. I also, as a sweetener, I put caramel syrup, just like Smucker's apple, uh, Smucker's like ice cream caramel sundae syrup. Put that in there, stirred it up, let it sit. As far as sangrias go in my book, the longer they sit, the better they taste. So I let this sit overnight. If you can let it sit for two to three days, even better. Pour it up. If you want to make it a little bit spicier, we also added a little bit of brandy on top. If you have like any special liqueurs, amaretto, we have a pecan pie liqueur that would go well on top of this. 
You could also do like a caramel and cinnamon apple sugar rim on this. The options are endless as far as sangrias go. The biggest rule as far as I'm concerned is wine, juice, fruit, and some sort of liqueur. And the longer it sits, the better it tastes. But like, don't let it sit longer than a week. (laughs) That's entering danger. That's entering danger zone. But otherwise, enjoy your Thanksgiving sangria. All right. So I don't think this is going to be a super long case just because this is one that, yes, (laughs) there's stuff like about it. But for the most part, they just cover the same stuff and they don't really go into details because they're kind of at a standstill and they are asking anybody for help. So... Before we get into how you can help, possibly, let's get into a little bit about Melissa. So, Melissa was a hardworking, ambitious 19-year-old college student. She was attending West Stark um, Community College in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And she was an honor student. So, she is not like... Anybody that you would consider, you know, to be, I guess, delinquent or, like, you would immediately be like, oh, she went missing. She was a runaway. Like, it was nothing like that. She lived with her mother, Mary Ann, and Missy kept busy with classes and working a part-time job at a local dentist clinic um, where she was working as a dental assistant. Her dream job after, like, college was basically becoming a dental hygienist. Which, more power to you, because I hate the dentist. I don't hate the I don't dentist. hate him, but, like, it's not, like, anything I go out of my way to schedule. <laughs> well, so growing up, my mom's cousin was my dentist. And he, like, went out of his way to make things comfortable for me and my brothers. So like I do not have that general fear of dentists that most people do. And that's coming from somebody that knocked out her two front teeth on her 10th birthday. And I had to get fake teeth for the first time at that point. And like I've had a lot of dental trauma. I've always had great dentists. It's just I don't know. They're like literally drilling in your teeth and like it's great. I get it. I do get it. I'm just saying, like, I get both sides of it, and I think that if there was more of, like, a homey aspect to it, like, I I experienced personally, it would be different for everybody. Whenever I went in after, like, Fitz bit me to the first dentist, they were like, you are extremely calm for your circumstances. And I was like, I trust y'all. Like, <laughs> you are making me feel comfortable. Why would I be uncomfortable? And they're like, I mean, just generally people come in feeling uncomfortable at the dentist and you are experiencing a trauma. So, like. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Honestly, I'm probably going to fall asleep once you start running the drills. And that's exactly what happened. I fell asleep in the dentist chair. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah. But yes, she wanted to become a dental hygienist. She was described as hardworking, friendly, and kind-hearted. So I feel like she would have been a great, you know, dental assistant or any, or even just eventually a hygien, like, mm-hmm. if I can speak, a hygienist. hygienist. <laughs> yeah. Like, she would have been great. She would, sounds like she would have had great, like, bedside manner. 
on December 1st of 1994. It started like any typical day for Missy. She got up, began getting ready for her classes, and apparently, like, in passing with her mother that day, she had asked her mom for money, and this started a small argument. Her mother told her no, and she left for work. Um, she did leave a note, though, for Missy, saying that she loved her and that she would be at the local bowling alley later the afternoon and that if Missy wanted to come by, she would get her something to eat. So, between 6.30 and 7 p.m., Melissa returned home to change her clothes and to go to the bowling alley, where her mom was apparently playing, like, league bowling, which... As someone whose mother also was in a league, I understand. I, like, spent my, like, beginning stages of childhood at the <laughs> bowling alley. My first boyfriend came from the bowling alley. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently his name was Anthony. Um, and we were in the daycare together. <laughs> and he was the son of one of the ladies that my mom bowled with. <laughs> Great romance. Oh, yeah. Mom loves to tell that story. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole debacle. Apparently, I was like, a, like, I always wore my hair in, like, pigtails and always just kind of wore, like, overalls or, like, pants and stuff like that. And apparently, one day, mom was getting me ready and I refused to have my hair pulled back. And she was like, all right, whatever. And then she was like, all right. Put on your like, we're gonna put on your pants, and that, and I was like insistent I wanted to wear a dress, and mom was like, okay, fine, then you have to wear tights, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then she tried to put my hair up again, and I was like, no, and mom goes, you always wear piggy tails. Why don't you want piggy tails? And she said, I looked at her dead in the face, and did a little hair flip with my hand, <laughs> and looked at her and went. Anthony likes it long. <laughs> and mom goes, I looked at your father and said, she's locked up till she's 21. <laughs> and if you know Trish today, she don't give no fuck about <laughs> no man. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, if you would put this Anthony character in front of me today, I probably couldn't even tell you who he is. So, <laughs> but that being said, I understand, like, the whole, like, league bowling thing, like, that becomes, like, a little family and whatnot, and it just kind of second nature to have, like, your kids or whatnot just come, like, hang out while you're bowling. But, like I said, Missy was going to meet her mom at the bowling alley and take her up on her offer to buy her some food. So, Missy drove to the bowling alley and parked, but never made it inside. What detectives believe happened is that Missy was abducted in the parking lot, and there were signs of a struggle around her car, and they also found some blood, Missy's keys, and an earring. The blood that was found led from her car to where they believe the attacker was parked. Curiously, there's 
apparently two witnesses to the abduction, but, like, in none of the articles that I found, like, they don't say who they are. They just say that these two witnesses were apparently unable to give any description of Missy's attacker. And I'm just like, nothing. N not, like, you couldn't even say, like, tall, short, like, black, white, Hispanic, like, nothing. Nothing. But, yeah. Apparently, there are two witnesses, but they apparently got nothing from them. I think it would be interesting today if they could find these people to see, like, if they could possibly remember something and, like, how much it would match up. There was no sign of Missy. So, like I said, besides, like, the blood, the keys, and, like, an earring that they found nearby, other than that, there's no sign of Missy. And police and her mother just had to kind of sit and wait and like, for, like, the next clue and stuff like that, or just, you know, hope that maybe she would just appear. So, six weeks after she went missing, two hunters in Ozark National Forest, which was 50 miles from the bowling alley, discovered Missy's body. She, would, she was nude and placed near a rock shaped like a headstone. So whether that was on purpose or it's just sheer coincidence, who knows. Yeah. Her clothes and personal belongings were missing and to this day have never been found. Which I find interesting. Suspicious. I was like, it's suspicious, but I also find it interesting because it's almost like whoever killed her is holding on to that as like... A trophy? Yes. Um, the hunters that found her said that... The the spot that she had been found at was, like, empty less than 24 hours earlier. So, like, I feel like that gives a very narrow time frame for someone to come in and dispose of her. Now, we still don't, unless... Another thing that kind of frustrates me with, like, this is... They don't, they've kept a lot of details, like, out of the public because they don't say, like, through an autopsy, like, when they suspect she was killed or anything. Like, they don't give you any sort of a time frame. And I don't know if that's because of how she died or what, but it's just, it's so, it's, like, in a way frustrating. When they discovered Missy, they immediately called the Franklin County Sheriff's Department to report what they had found. Larry Swearingen was looked at as a person of interest in Missy's case. I don't know his, like, if he has more than one crime or if it's just this one that gets brought up, but it's something that I don't believe I've heard. And he was actually convicted of murdering a woman named Melissa Trotter, who was killed in a very similar, like, style to how Missy was. 
Both girls were 19 at the time of their death. They both were murdered and found in large forest in Arkansas. He was also said to be in the area when Missy was, was abducted, but he denied murdering her. And sadly enough, he was actually executed on January 27th of 2009 for the murder of Melissa Trotter, so... Unless, like, DNA evidence ever pops up or anything, we will never get a confession if he did murder Missy or not. So, their one, like, kind of, I guess, big lead, they have no way of really finding out if he was involved or not. So... No one has ever been charged in Missy's case. There is a $5,000 reward for information leading to an arrest or conviction. Her case remains unsolved, but friends remain hopeful that it will be solved. Sadly, her mother, who was a single parent, died years ago, but a LaDonna Humphrey has become kind of a voice and a stand-in mother for Missy. Humphrey created a Facebook page called Who Killed Missy Wit, and it's gained thousands of followers and views over several years. She also pays for an anonymous tip line, which that number is 1-800-440-1922. And she's hoping that one day maybe someone will call with a lead that will crack the case wide open. She does forward any, like, kind of tips that, I guess, she deems important to police. LaDonna and J.C. Ryder, who was actually the lead detective on Missy's case when it first happened. He has since retired, but, like... Him and LaDonna have worked together and are vigilant on, like, trying to get this case solved. Ryder said, over the years, the case has taken many twists and turns. They have had solid leads, people of interest, but never, like, have had anything pan out. So this is, like I said, it's an ongoing case. It's one that they definitely feel like could definitely be solved one day. They're just waiting on that right information. So, like I said, you do have the Facebook group and the anonymous tip line that you can call, but they're also asking that anyone with information about Missy's murder or abduction contact the Fort Smith Police Department at criminal investigations at Fort Smith pd.org and I'll put all this in like the show notes and everything you can also call their line which is 479-709-5100 and like I said this might not be a super long episode but I feel like it's one that I didn't know anything about this and it's not one that I've, I don't believe I've heard any other 
podcasts that I listen to cover, and if I have, it's maybe one that they combined with something else, so it's like something that's just kind of sadly gone, like, under the radar for me. But if this case interests you, if you live in that area, if it's maybe something you heard years ago and you just kind of forgot, I definitely think, like, talking about it gets it back out there, gets people kind of looking into it. Maybe you'll find something that maybe I wasn't able to find, or maybe you know something, but you just don't know where to share it. So, definitely... If you are from this area or you know people from this area, share this story. Get out there. Hopefully, like I said, her mother unfortunately did pass away. But there are still friends that are hoping for, you know, justice. And you have the lead investigator that I'm sure this case haunts him. Like, one of my favorite Discovery Plus, um, like, series to watch is the Joe uh, Kidna-like stuff. And he talks about every case that he has done like it happened yesterday. And, like, the ones that go unsolved, he's he's like, this case haunts me to this day. So... Like I said, it's not one that I knew. I wanted to get it out there. I guess with that being said, I will kick you off to the last call. Welcome back to another Last Call with Sloan. Today we are going to do fun facts about Arkansas. And let me start off by saying it is illegal to pronounce it Arkansas in Arkansas. So I was going to say, there. what? <laughs> So I'm not welcome there. I do like I said. I do apologize. I know it's Arkansas. I'll say it right in the state, but I'm currently in Alabama, so I'm good. <laughs> My next fun fact is diamonds were first discovered in Arkansas by John W. Huddleston in 1906, where Crater of Diamond State Park stands now, huh. making engagement bling just a little bit blingier forever. <laughs> I want to say that. On TikTok, there's this one um, page that's, like, dedicated. They go out and, like, basically go, like, crystal hunting. And I want to say it's in Arkansas. You're probably right. Because Arkansas is known as the natural state. But did you know that Magnet Cove region contains 102 varieties of minerals alone in Arkansas? So that explains that. Four, Hope is the self-proclaimed watermelon capital of the world. This does not have to do with Arkansas because I'm in Alabama. <laughs> but I went grocery shopping this week and these dumb fucks down here put the pumpkins in the watermelon box. I mean. So I said watermelon, but it was full of pumpkins. Anyways. Number five, Hope is also home to a certain saxophone playing president you may have heard of. But did you know that he put AstroTurf down in the back of his El Camino? <laughs> I don't know what president we're talking about because he, they don't name them. Isn't it um, Clinton from there? Oh, maybe that's why I blocked that out. 
You can look that up while I keep going. <laughs> Six cheese dogs were created in Little Rock at the Finkbeiner Meat Packing Company in 1956 by inserting cheese into the center of a hot dog. And to that, I say thank you. Seven, 15 meteorites have been discovered in Arkansas. Eight, the World Championship Duck Calling Contest is held annually in Stuttgart. Did you find your answer? He is you from Arkansas. I was like, there. I was like, why is that sticking out? I did not have sex with that <laughs> woman. Oh God. Number nine, Arkansas has the only active diamond mine in the United States, along with the only mine where you can mine for your own diamonds. So, so you're saying I can go get myself a diamond? I said, who needs a man? <laughs> not us. <laughs> I'm going and diamond hunting. <laughs> Ten. The next time you're moved to tears by a great movie moment made perfect by the soundtrack, thank Pine Bluff native Freeman Owens, the first person to successfully add sound to film. Thank you. Thank you, because I do love me a good soundtrack. I love a good soundtrack. I love a good, like, orchestral track to the movie. Like, give me anything. Pride and Prejudice. I can listen to that soundtrack all day long, put me to sleep, gets me to work. I don't give a fuck. That or like the piano, yes. that piano in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. And if you don't know, go watch Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. Eleven. Ernest Hemingway wrote parts of his classic novel, A Farewell to Arms, at his studio in Piggott, his wife's hometown in Arkansas. Hemingway saved his manuscripts from a fire that broke out in his writing studio in 1932 by throwing them out of an upstairs window. This house is now a museum in Arkansas. Okay. 13. Myers Bakery brought the world the gift of brown and syrup rolls in the 1930s in Arkansas. Once again, thank you. <laughs> rolls? We love our rolls. <laughs> we say no carb is wrong in this household. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 14. It is illegal for the Arkansas River to rise above the Main Street Bridge in Little Rock. Who are you gonna find? Take that, Mother Nature. <laughs> Who the hell are you gonna find? Mother Nature. <laughs> Those citizens better be down there with buckets ready to <laughs> scoop that shit out. Oh, uh. This one I did know. Walmart, the super chain with 11,000 stores in 27 countries, opened its very first store in Rogers, Arkansas, in yes. 1962 by Sam Walton. And now you can sneeze and find a Walmart. Thank God. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> Fuck corporate America, but also thank you, Walmart, because sometimes you come through in a clutch. Yeah. Although I feel like Walmart, when they first started, is way different from the Walmart, Walmart that we, like, now have. I do agree with that. 16. Mount Ida is referred to as the quartz crystal capital of the world. When do we go? Back uh, the car. <laughs> <laughs> you will not get the next few episodes because we will be <laughs> on our way. Mine and for diamonds and crystals. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 17, Native Johnny Cash's Five Feet High and Rising song was based on a 1937 flood that saw his hometown of Dice Colony evacuated. I do love me some uh, Johnny Cash. 
Is he your Elvis Presley to me? Probably, yeah. Okay. 18. Growing up in Arkansas, Johnny Cash was fascinated by Frankenstein's monster and empathized with the character, saying he was just someone who was made up of bad parts, but trying to do good. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. He had a rough life. 19. Hot Springs has an alligator farm with a petting zoo. Sounds All right, like Mississippi. <laughs> Sounds like Florida to me. <laughs> Number 20, Little Rock is the home to the American Taekwondo Association National Headquarters. All right, so we gotta we gotta pick up some diamonds and some crystals and then go learn some taekwondo. Kick some <laughs> go kick some ass. <laughs> Number 21, the Little Rock Nine changed the face of the civil rights movement when they walked into Little Rock Central High School in 1957 after Brown versus the Board of Education ruling deemed segregation unconstitutional. I was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> 22, Paul McCartney has suggested that the desegregation of Little Rock Central High School was his inspiration for the song Blackbird. Hey. Once again, thank you. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Clearly. 23. In Fayetteville, it's illegal to kill any living creature. Hopefully, that does not go for mosquitoes. <laughs> but, eh. 24. More than half of the state of Arkansas is covered by forest land. So, don't get lost like Lisa in the last episode. Oh, uh, yeah. 25. Elvis was cleaned up for his service in the army at Fort Shafee. In March 25th, 1958, where he received his televised haircut, the barbershop there is now a museum, as it should be. <laughs> there you go. I can go get my Johnny Cash, and we can swing by there, and you can get your Elvis. I have to say, that's one of the few Elvis things that I have not witnessed in person, so let's do it. 26. This one's... The show Designing Women was produced by Harry Thomason, a Little Rock native. The city's Villa Mar house is featured in the show's opening credits okay 27 pine bluff arkansas was named america's most dangerous small town last year by cq press its crime rate is second only to detroit okay i'm surprised ohio did not beat arkansas but all right all right hey hey you know it's true <laughs> 28, the Ozark National Forest covers more than 1 million acres. I mean, for them to have found a uh, Missy in there then, geez, that's mm -hmm. like lucky that the, I guess, the hunters went the same way all the time. Mm -hmm. 29, the Little River County Courthouse in Ashdown is Arkansas famous for its holiday light display. So we go at Christmas. Okay. 30. It's illegal in Arkansas to shine any sort of artificial light from the road in a wildlife management region like a state park. So technically speaking, it's against the law wake to wake sleeping bears by snapping a photo. Which if you're dumb enough to do that, right? you're not making it out to see the police consequences. 31. Tyson Foods, now the world's largest producer and marketer of chicken, began with a single truck shipping chickens from Arkansas to Chicago in 1935. 
that makes more sense to me because I wondered why there were so many Tyson food plants in Mississippi when it wasn't from Mississippi. Yeah. But Mississippi and Arkansas are like very close to each other. So yes. Shit's checking out there. <laughs> makes sense. In 1876, two Fayetteville newspaper editors had a street fight to settle their differences. The loser, a duel, you say? A duel, you say? <laughs> the loser had to sell his peep, his peeper. <laughs> <laughs> the loser had to sell his paper and leave town, which he did. Number thirty-three, highly acclaimed author John Grisham was born in Jonesboro. And lived throughout northeast Arkansas before his career took off, selling over 225 million copies of his books. He still returns to Arkansas often for book signings. And to that I have to say, John Grisham at, uh, graduated from Mississippi State University. So suck this. <laughs> I got something I can claim from Mississippi State. I'm taking it. John Grisham. A Time to Kill. My parents went to the movie premiere. I love John Grisham. A Painted House. Love that book. Yeah. There are so many. I can't even think of them right now. All right. Anyways, 34. 47 hot springs flow from Hot Springs Mountain at an average temperature of 143 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. No. Not going in those. I will do it. I'll do it. Because the hot spring water is said to be therapeutic for ailments... Many famous faces have visited the hot springs over the years, including Franklin D. Re Roosevelt, Babe Ruth, and Al Capone. Al Capone? You still don't want to go be, in the springs? We can be, we can be like my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking my back will feel so much better. <laughs> this 30-year-old this body, this 31-year-old body, it's starting to break down. Put gotta, me in the springs. You gotta be able to make it there first. I can do that. I can make it in a car. Put me in the bitch. <laughs> Next, as a part of Magnolia Blossom Festival, Magnolia is home to the world's largest charcoal grill and the world's championship steak cook-off. Let's go. <laughs> also, Alma, Arkansas, claims to be the spinach capital of the world, but it's not the home of Popeye. Sounds sus to me. Right? Arkansas native Hattie Haiti Carraway was the first woman elected to the U.S. Senate in November of 1932. That, that's not shocking. 1932, though? Yeah, like, that's why I said I was like, that's not shocking. No, to me, that is shocking because we only were able to vote in what? When were we? When were women able to um, vote? I would literally have to look that up. It on. was right around that time. I, I, I'm really horrible with history and I'm dumb. Y'all already know this. But for a woman to be elected to the U.S. Senate in 1930s, that to me is very shocking. I am positively shocked. I feel like Trish was negatively shocked. I was shocked that it was that early in our history. Um, it says 19th Amendment was 1919 and ratified on 1920. Right. So, like, less than two decades later, we had a woman in the Senate. I feel like if women were just granted the right to vote today, it would take us another 50 years to get a woman into the Senate. We are living in the handmade tale time, so, I mean... It's getting there. It's ridiculous. I'm losing more and more rights as the, dates, as the days go on. Right. 
Anyways, I digress. The next fun fact, 39. In the early 20th century, ostrich racing was a popular sport at Cockburn's Ostrich Farm in Hot Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. A farm in Lavaca was a silo painted into a giant Budweiser beer can. All hail the South. Got my Budweiser. Go put some NASCAR on. <laughs> Basically. Number 41. Before 1932, a man and a woman openly flirting on the streets of Little Rock could get a 30-day stint in jail. Well, hot damn. <laughs> hey, cutie. <laughs> Slap the handcuffs on. <laughs> Number 42, you might expect the University of Arkansas first football team to go way back, but it was founded in 1894. I feel like that's still way back. Yeah. 43, after getting injured in a car accident, Bonnie Parker and fellow notorious bank robber Clyde Barrow stole another car and hid out in a tourist camp in Fort Smith in 1933. What started off as a small store in Howard County in 1938 turned into Dillard's, one of the top department stores in the country. And while the makeup company Maybelline is headquartered in New York, its factory has been based in Little Rock since 1975, selling an average of 1.7 tubes of mascara every second. What? I did know Little Rock was a very big... Like, my friend April went to, like, college in Arkansas. She went to a Christian college there called Harding (laughs) University. It was in a dry county, so if they ever wanted to do anything, like, they basically had to leave. But then they had to make sure they were back by curfew. And if they decided to go have drinks, they had to make sure that they didn't smell like alcohol when they entered. Yeah. I was like, no, thank you. And my last fun fact is about, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this. I do apologize. But the Fook, which is a local folklore of Arkansas, it is kind of like a boggy creek monster. It's seven foot tall. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. People, they're kind of like it's a Bigfoot, but it's not a Bigfoot, but it's Arkansas's Bigfoot. So. Maybe I'll cover that on, like, a Patreon case, because we love the folklore and whatnot. But those are my fun facts about Arkansas. Arkansas. Don't say the other one, because it's illegal. Arkansas. No. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Please remember to subscribe if you are not already subscribed. That way you'll know whenever we release new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. You can also follow us on social media. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. They are all tequila she wrote. You can also email us with any case suggestions, alcohol recommendations. Say hello, I love you, goodbye. That is tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes, and you do get a bonus episode. And then if you pay a little more, we have more content we have like a haunted series sloan does a rooney in paradise so yeah just all depends on what you're looking for out of it and check it out easiest way to find us is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote 
or you can go to our link tree, click on that. There should be a direct link to our Patreon on there. Also, like I mentioned last time, if Patreon's just kind of not your jam for some reason and there's something else you're listening to, like, bonus content from, like, other podcasts on, let us know. We'll look into it, see if we can kind of join it, and yeah. We basically, we want to see what works for you, what you are willing to basically listen to us on and how we can help you but with that being said thanks for riding on the hot mess express toot toot beep beep